0: Now, fight back with Libby Snymer on Zuber Radio with guest host Jane Brown. We want our children and all children in this
1: nation to know that the only limit to the height of your achievements is the reach of your dreams and your willingness to work hard for them. Because we want our children in this nation to know that the only limit to your achievements is the strength of your dreams and your willingness to work for them. Everyone's talking about Melania Trump's speech at the Republican National Convention and that portions of it mirror exactly what Michelle Obama said in her speech to the Democratic National Convention in 2008. The wife of the presumptive GOP nominee Donald Trump had told NBC before her speech that she'd written it with as little help as possible. Two paragraphs from the speech appear to be almost identical to Obama's 2008 address, but Trump's senior communications advisor is saying a team of writers took notes on Melania Trump's life inspiration and used fragments that reflect her own thinking. So, who wrote the speech? And who apparently lifted the words of Michelle Obama? Stephen Harper's former speechwriter, Michael Tobe, joins us now on Zoomer Radio's Fight Back. Welcome, Michael. Michael, are you there? I am. Hi. From your experience, and let's be real, did Melania Trump write that speech herself?
2: Look, I think we have to be realistic about it. If millennia Trump had experience as a speechwriter, or if she had made various speeches and presentations in her life or her career, I think we would assume that she might have been the only one to have the pen, or basically the person who's writing the draft. I think it is more realistic to believe that she does have a small group or a small team, as as the communications advisor said, of speech writers on staff that would help her out to some extent. Could she have crafted some of the lines, some of the thoughts, some of the words, some of the paragraphs in the speech? Absolutely, there's no question about it. But for me to believe that she actually did it on her own, I, I couldn't even fathom the possibility.
1: So what do you think happened? There, I mean, there really are too many similarities for this to be a coincidence.
2: Yeah, look, I mean, obviously I I walk on eggshells with issues like this because I don't want to make accusations that are either justified or unjustified, and I think we have to be very, very careful of it. But I agree with you, Jane. There's no question that there are a lot of similarities to Michelle Obama's speech. Um, You know, I think that you could either say, I don't think it was direct that they did it. I don't think they directly tried to plagiarize it. I think it was probably an element of laziness or sloppiness on their part. I think they try to, quote unquote, lift certain things, adjust a few words here and there, and try to make it millennia's own with her own touch or accent or speaking style, etc. And unfortunately, if you want to circle around the, the internet, you can go on Google, YouTube, wherever you'd like, you will find lots of examples of other world leaders, great and less so, who have actually either lifted or taken certain passages from other people from either several years before or even just a few weeks or a few months before it's unfortunately become very very common as time has gone along and the fact that you know the groups of people behind you are not as large as they used to be there's not as much time to do things in a particular day that as I said people have just become very lazy and sloppy in the way that they handle things but I'm certainly not justifying it and as a professional writer I really dislike things like this happening.
1: Well how common is it? I mean you mentioned that other leaders and speech writers will take passages off the internet. Is this is this more the norm than we might think it is?
2: Well you certainly hope it's not but unfortunately we are getting a lot of examples as time goes along or or at least learning about more examples of where people are doing this. We see this occasionally for speech writing. There have been some examples in Canada, for example, of columnists who've been accused of plagiarism. You know, we don't have to go through their names. They certainly know who they are, and there's one who's sort of recently going through it right now. You do see a lot of examples of this, and I think as as someone who believes in the craft of writing and believes that words matter, paragraphs matter, etc., I really dislike seeing this happen more and more often, and I don't really think that we should respect or even hire people who are more than willing to do this and think that they can get away with it in this day and age. But unfortunately, I wouldn't say it's the norm, but it is becoming more common, and that is troublesome in its own right.
1: So are speechwriters, are they becoming less experienced? Are we hiring our leaders, hiring speechwriters right out of university? Or I would think, like in your case, writing for Stephen Harper, you had to have had a fair bit of experience, as in a couple of decades of
2: experience at least. Exactly. I was about to say, me? I'm not going in this category. Um, But no, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's kind of a mixture, I would say. I've been a professional writer for 20 years, mostly in column writing, but I have done speech writing, so I had experience doing that. There are, unfortunately, a lot of examples, and we can even use Canada, where several ministers, junior ministers, and others have either due to a a sort of a lack of a talent pool or a very small talent pool or just an inability to find people that kind of fit within their budgets will often go for people who certainly may be intelligent, certainly may be talented and know how to craft sentences, but don't have the life experience or the writing experience to have written a speech. And when time sensitivities come into play, it's very, very difficult for them to either A, get all their thoughts in line, or B, create something which is you know, going to obviously impact or be interesting or intriguing to the audience. So yes, unfortunately if you hire a lot of younger people, and in politics we're seeing that a lot now, you do get these situations coming from time to time, although in fairness it should be said that some of the accusations of plagiarism that we've seen in the past few years have also included people who have, say, as, as much experience as I do or even more, which makes it even worse because those people should know better.
1: Is, is plagiarism, I mean, when you and I were in university yep. and high school, yep. plagiarism was, would get you a zero if, right. if it was discovered by your teacher or your prof that you had lifted something directly from somebody else's work. Is it now becoming somewhat acceptable to cut and paste somebody else's words?
2: Well, look, I think if you look at university, community college, and other forms of academia, no, I don't think it should ever be acceptable. I don't think it should be acceptable when, say, a professor, or an academic, writes a book and does the same thing, and we've seen some examples of that. Um, the problem is that, unfortunately, it is becoming more and more common for people to do this, to sort of take the easier path, or to cheat, if you wish, and sort of copy and paste certain things that they can put into place, maybe change a few words here and there, maybe slice out a sentence and make it your own. Let's put it this way. No matter how often it's happening or how little it's happening, it shouldn't be happening at all, and that's the real key. Now, is Melania Trump's speech or Melania Trump's speech going to change the course of this election or cause Donald Trump in his campaign enormous amounts of problems? No, because I think in the end, his supporters will just sort of fluff it away and eventually some other controversy or big movement or big announcement will take pl- take its place but at the same time it unfortunately does show that we are becoming shall we say more accepting of these types of things and i think that's actually troubling as a society because i think whenever a plagiarism accusation comes forward we should basically discredit the people who do it, discredit the speech or whatever the, you know, whatever the resource is, and ensure that p- other people don't do it, or at least create an environment where it's heavily discouraged, because really, even though there aren't a lot of original thoughts probably left in society, we can still use our brains, use our intelligence, and come up with great phrases.
1: And, and this affects people like you and me who write for a living and who right. who take pride in our writing. I, I want it. I'm interested in knowing. I, I'd like to. I'd like them to get to the bottom of this to know what happened because my initial thought was okay. Either somebody inexperienced googled what first Lady should say at Democratic and Republican conventions. Or maybe there was an element of sabotage. Our morning show host, Neil Headley, talked Mm -hmm. about maybe because there's so much discontent within the Republican Party, did somebody do this on purpose to make Donald Trump and his wife look bad?
2: Well, with all due respect to your host, that sounds a little conspiratorial to me, and I'm not really big into stuff like that. But I think, unfortunately, it was just more of an example of just sloppiness. And and because we have seen it so often in the united states and Canada, and parts of europe etc it's just more believable to me that someone just basically was just on a very time-sensitive deadline clicked and pasted a few things and even though there was apparently talk that melania's trump actually spent five to six weeks on this speech to perfect it you can almost sort of see the way it was maybe or potentially lifted from michelle obama's speech that they probably threw in some things at the very last moment you know, unfortunately, there's another example going around, it's now floating on YouTube, of a former senator, Dev Patrick saying certain things about, quoting great lines from speeches from Martin Luther King and others, with the term just words being used in it. And a couple of years later, there is President Barack Obama, who is still President of the United States for a few more months, using a lot of those lines Maybe in a different way and maybe in a different context, but repeating all those famous quotes with the term just words in it. The problem is, unfortunately, Jane, that more and more people are doing this and less and less of us believe that we are actually going to get away with it. Yet, when we're just on these terrible deadlines people just rush through things, and it's just a sad state of the, our society, and especially for people like you and I who actually care about words and care about our writing. it's just It really just creates a very bad name for our industry, and we've really got to get it to stop as soon as possible.
1: Now, the Republican National Committee Chairman Reince Priebus mm-hmm. said this morning at Bloomberg's uh, Bloomberg politics events that he would probably fire whoever was responsible for including plagiarized quotes, yeah. though he added it all kind it depends on the circumstances and how these things are written. Will there be follow through to that extent from the Trump campaign? I mean, indications are that Donald Trump is hopping mad over this.
2: I, you know, it's hard to say. Obviously, I don't have any filter into the Donald Trump campaign, so I'm not sure. But based on his history and based on the way he handles things, if anything is dealt with internally, I don't think we'll hear very much about it. I don't think we'll ever be able to identify who the person or individuals were that were associated with her speech, and I don't think we'll ever know exactly how all this came about or came to fruition. But let's put it this way. I think that certainly if there was one person involved or many people involved, they should be removed from their position. There's no question about that. And they should be, as Donald Trump loves to say, they should be fired immediately.
3: (laughs) But but whether
2: he will or not... Based on the way that Donald Trump handles things, and this is a man who sort of creates his own political playbook, Jane, I could just see him basically laughing it off, mocking someone, you know, throwing it under the rug, and basically after that point, once it's been swept out of the news cycle within one to two days that'll probably be it.
1: I think you're absolutely right that it is a one cycle, maybe two cycle news story. And, and we'll speak more to that uh, with Laura Babcock, who's a PR specialist in a few minutes. 416- 740 744-740. Tony from Lindsay, you're on Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Go ahead.
3: Hi, hello there. You know, I, I uh, came over from Italy in 57 and my cousins came over in the 70s, late 70s. I found that they were trying to learn the English language. And as they did, it kept on using words that we used, you know, when they were trying to make an English conversation as their English was getting better. Now, Trump, she's, you know, in a sense, a Europe, uh, I guess a European, I don't know, I guess she's from there. I'm not uh, too familiar with the background. And it seemed like she was trying to use English words to say what she wanted to say in her own language. And sometimes it comes across that way. I, I don't think, and if, you know, I can't see her not to, uh, looking into stuff uh, when it's on a on a magnitude of this, uh, and knowing that every little thing is going to be under a microscope like it is, so I I just think that she tried to use her own words, and use uh, words that she probably heard, but didn't mean it to come out to be blown up this way. So, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I know
1: what you're saying, Tony. And, Michael, I mean, don't you think just with something this huge that the speech would have been vetted over and over by a number of different people? It wouldn't have just been millennia or Donald Trump giving final approval to this speech.
2: No, absolutely not. It should have been vetted and it should have been vetted from top down. There should have been many people involved in at least looking it over, making edits as they saw fit. Uh, possibly having some sort of discussion debate behind the scenes to decide what the best route was to take with this speech, what the best words were, paragraphs, etc., and go from there. Now, certainly your caller does make a, a good point. Uh, Melania Trump is from Slovenia and obviously English was not naturally her first language. Although I must say that when she was up on the stage, I actually thought that overall, although her accent is quite obvious, she actually spoke quite well, and her diction was actually much stronger than I thought it was initially, based on some interviews I've seen with her in the past. So I thought she actually, basically as a person and as a personality in front of the podium, I thought she actually handled herself quite well. It's just unfortunate that... Irrespective of what her first primary languages, secondary languages, and all the other things, it's just very sad that unfortunately an accusation of plagiarism has ruined what would have been a pretty good moment overall for the Trump campaign. Right,
1: because it's not easy to get up in front of 35 million people. She's not the one running for office. No, English exactly. is her second language, and I agree with you. I thought her emotion and her diction were quite good, and yep. you know, separate from the the plagiarism plagiarism issue, uh, it was a it was a good effort and she did uh, she was quite poised.
2: Yes, a lot better than most people expected. But unfortunately, as we sort of learned in the last federal election with Justin Trudeau, if you set the bar to the ground, you can easily get over it. It's not too hard. And I think a lot of people did that as well with Melania Trump. And she actually exceeded expectations. Although, unfortunately, based on what happened less than 24 hours later, a lot of that is just going to be forgotten pretty quickly.
1: Michael, thanks so much
2: for joining us. My pleasure, Jane. Have a good day.
1: You too. Stephen Harper's former speechwriter, Michael Tobe. We'll talk about uh, the fallout from Millennia's speech and whether it will have any lingering negative effects on the Trump campaign. That's coming up next with PR specialist Laura Babcock on Zoomer Radio's Fight Back.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown.
4: Rock and I were raised with so
1: many of the same values. Like, you work hard for what you want in life. The values that you work hard for what you want in life. That your word is your bond, that you do what you say you're going to do. That your word is your bond, and you do what you say and keep your promise. That you treat people with... Dignity and respect. That you treat people with respect. Comparing the speeches of Michelle Obama to the Democratic National Convention in 2008, to the speech given by Melania Trump last night at the Republican National Convention. PR specialist Laura Babcock joins us now. Laura, we're having some laughs today at the expense of (laughs) of Melania Trump, but is this episode going to be a negative for Donald Trump long term?
4: Long term, considering everything else that's going on, no, it's not the biggest story or the biggest negative. But what it does do is it takes the convention off message. And in the presidential campaign, really the only two moments you own are the VP pick and then the convention rollout. So this is bad timing. It took them away from some of the other points and some of the other speakers. So the media today is covering Melania and covering that percent of the speech that was lifted as opposed to covering some of the other messages they wanted to get out on their big first night.
1: What was her speech supposed to evoke and what way was it designed to help her husband's campaign?
4: Traditionally the role of the spouse's speech is to humanize the candidate to say listen I'm the one who signed up for life with this individual I'm the one who had children with this individual if I can trust them, if I know them intimately, then I can tell you that you can trust them. I mean, that's the point of this kind of speech. It's to often tell anecdotes about the individual that wouldn't otherwise be known. It's to really make people feel like, okay, I can trust the man as opposed to just the candidate. In this particular case, she, her speech, and I'm watching the speech, of course, before hearing the Obama version of the speech that she was, that she lifted those those pieces, You heard it and you thought, wow, in a night full of speeches about anger and about Benghazi and and a lot of frustration and a lot of attacks, Melania's speech seemed to really lift the mood. It seemed to be a very kind, compassionate speech. It was well delivered. It was a big hit. Until, of course, people found almost a verbatim lifting of those key passages from Michelle's speech. And that, and that took the news cycle away from her success.
1: Do you think that Donald Trump should acknowledge the controversy? Should she acknowledge the controversy? Should they just move on? What what What's the best thing to do in this case?
4: The response that most people have used uh, and will use going forward, because plagiarism happens, is to say... Either we didn't check it sufficiently, and that was our mistake, and we'll make sure we have better vetting in the future. It is to say, if the person themselves selected it, I really empathized or I really felt those feelings represented how I felt, but I should have credited the source. That's my mistake. I mean, that's usually how this thing is handled. And then people say, get a better campaign team, be more professional – smarten up, and, and usually you can kind of move on unless it ends up in litigation. In this case, it probably wouldn't. It's just a matter of saying we didn't attribute it, and we thought that those lines reflected how we felt, and that's why we used them. But because the Trump campaign typically tries to double down, then triple down, I mean, they've done everything today, from trying to blame it on Hillary Clinton, uh, as though somehow she put those, those words in Melania's mouth because the Clinton campaign noticed what had happened, To go so far as to say it was an honest mistake and then to pull back from that and say, well, it wasn't a mistake. It was only 7% of the speech, which then acknowledges that there was 7% that was wrong. I mean, they're, they're trying everything. They're throwing everything at the wall, as they typically do, to see what sticks. And if it sticks, then they'll move on. But this is how the Trump campaign handles things. It's the same level of unprofessionalism in the way they respond to things, as was probably the root of lifting these words verbatim from a very similar speech just eight years before. The fact that they thought they wouldn't get caught is either complete hubris or complete unprofessionalism.
1: Do you think they got caught because of the Internet in the days, if it was an eight-year gap back in the 60s or 70s when we weren't able to reference things so readily? do you think? She she could have got away with it.
4: Possibly, but doubtfully at, at this level with so many eyeballs, I mean, 20 million or so people watching, many of whom are journalists, they would have figured it out by the time they got over the moment and the big grand entrance and looking at Melania, they would have figured it out. But it's the fact that it was the same effect speech, the, the new guy on the stage, the uh, the guy who needs to be introduced by his wife at that very same moment eight years prior. The fact that it's if you looked up the speech category, they would both pop up. That's blatant. That's saying I can pull from the exact same speech essentially that that, that the Obamas gave and I can use it in an internet age where people can literally put it side by side on their Twitter feeds and, and it's almost exactly the same. So that's either very bold or very, as I said, it's hubris or it's stupidity or it's unprofessionalism or it's laziness. But none of these things are good for the Trump campaign or for Melania.
1: Let's go to the phone, Zoomer Radio fight back. Jane for Libby. John in Brampton, you have a
5: comment? Yes, I do. Um, I think for the Donald Trump's people, uh, this whole event will rate about six points below uh, the uh, Taylor Swift and Kim Kardashian. <laughs> <laughs> for the uh, for the liberal machinery, it's man for heaven. If you put together 500 speechwriters and 250 spin doctors that to try to put together the world's best speech eventually you'd be using something that somebody said somewhere sometime so I, I, I don't know if there's ever any way of knowing whether that was stolen or given or accidental um again uh if i think if uh if donald trump got up on the stage and said i'm not the world's best person uh i think god is good I think all women are very intelligent and should rule the world. And I think the sky is blue. I think the liberals would be on that <laughs> like a pit bull on a poop.
1: Well, certainly that's never going to happen. Margaret and Kitchener, go ahead. Well, me? Yes. Just a minute. i take the speakerphone off. Okay. I
4: was almost dozing here. But no, I think plagiarism is the worst crime. And it it should really be punishable. Um, It shows uh, the uh, ethicality of a person. And and I just, in in my mind, I have no, I would shun that person. They they are totally unethical to repeat what someone else had already said without saying who said it first. A, a quote, more or less. All well, the, and that's, a, saying,
1: that's exactly what we were talking about earlier in the show uh, with our previous guests, that uh, plagiarism used to be seen as something, It used to be seen as a crime, effectively. If you, if you had to attribute your words to somebody else, if you were taking their words. That's right. I must have missed the first part. I was watching the Kitchener News. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I mean, those of us in, in the Zoomer generation, you know, 45 plus, 50 plus, we grew up at a time where, and, you know, and I have to give credit to my kids as well, because when they've sourced things for university, they have to write footnotes, they have to say where they, they took the quote. I mean, plagiarism, you can't just go and lift stuff from the Internet and put it in your essays in university. Even these days, it, it is seen as uh, it is seen as an affront to writing and journalism. Laura, would you agree?
4: Well, absolutely. We've seen recent, recent cases is the head of the Toronto District School Board. Right. was caught up in a plagiarism scandal and, and lost his position there. And you saw Fried Zakaria, Uh, when he didn't attribute a source, he was punished by CNN and and he went on air and apologized. And these are just in the last couple of years. So it's certainly in media and academia, plagiarism is an offense that you lose your credibility, you lose your position often, you can lose your academic standard, you can lose your journalism gig, although it doesn't always happen. Uh, But we do see that many people see it that way. What I think is important here is that Trump's probably are not going to think that this is a big deal. And at these conventions, they're preaching to the choir in front of them, but they also have these rare eyeballs who are, you know, a huge audience, bigger than Trump would normally get on a speech, is watching to really understand what he represents and what his campaign represents. And to your caller's point, it comes down to an issue of integrity. Either someone who wrote the speech didn't have the integrity or or was intellectually lazy and thought they could just pull that and slap it down on the teleprompter in front of Melania, And in that case, they did her disservice, or Melania was aware of those quotes, and she used them with that attribution, which is plagiarism, which goes to integrity. So it goes to the integrity and the ethics of a certain campaign or individual. Now, I think a lot of people would rightly argue that the Trump campaign has had many other instances where they were found to not be telling the truth. So is this gonna be a big deal to people who already support them? I don't think it will be. And to the caller about the liberal machine, yes, absolutely, this is grist for the opposition mill. If you're going to do something this blatant and flagrant. They're going to use it to attack you. But the fact is, the opposition, the liberals, the the progressives, the Hillary Clinton camp did not make Melania, Trump, pull actual pieces out of Michelle Obama's speech. It should be said, though, that Barack Obama in 2008, there were concerns about words that he pulled from a speech. So lots of people have done it. The point is, do you acknowledge it? Do you take accountability? And do you promise not to do it again?
1: That's the final word, Laura. Thank you. My pleasure. PR specialist, Laura Babcock. You're listening to Zoomer Radio's Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown for Libby's Nimer.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.